This episode of The Interchange is made possible by APSA and Timu. Youth unemployment in South Africa has reached crisis levels. The unemployment rate was 55.2% in the first quarter of 2019. And among graduates in this group, the unemployment rate was 31.0% during the same period. Looking at this 55.2, though, and this 31% comparatively, I think we can all agree that education increases the average young person's prospects in the labor market. Hence, this push for greater access to tertiary education. But let's imagine access wasn't a problem and all we were concerned with was ensuring that every student who walks into university walks out with a job. Should we then push for students to only study graduate programs that have a high probability of securing them a job? In studio to debate the motion, this house would only fund vocational graduate programs that have a high probability of securing a job for a graduate. Please welcome Neo Tzodetsi, philosophy, politics and economics student, debater, and a young woman who's also passionate about her hair. Akhisang Sibanda, education student, debating coach and writer. And Atlehang Mulefe, philosophy, politics, and economic student and activist. And finally, Lindo Gutle Mabaso, law student passionate about making an impact through service. Our expert for today's topic is Sia Biniza, who is an entrepreneur and political economist specializing in development finance, industrial development, and regional integration. How's everyone doing? Alive. <laughs> alive is good enough. <laughs> Mr. Beniza, thank you for joining us. Um, South Africa needs solutions for the unemployment crisis. 55.2% among youth in general, 31% among graduates. Is this debate helping us get, get closer to solving the problem? Yeah. Look, I think the answer to that is simple. Yes. And let's go home. <laughs> but I think, I think jokes, <laughs> I think jokes aside though, um, looking at the number of PPEs around the room, unless you guys don't have any extra interventions, you're more likely to remain unemployed. Um, mm. but you know, mm. this is a double-edged sword in South Africa in terms of balancing both, um, the demand in terms mm. of the labor market. Mm. What do companies actually demand from uh, graduates? But also, um, the kinds of skills that are in shortage in, in the economy. So I think the motion really points at to, um, you know, the critical issue around vocational skills mm. and the overabundance of graduates who are mm. coming from a scientific background. Um, however, uh, the other side is, um, Obviously, graduates aren't just being set up for jobs. And I think what would be more impactful is wow. graduates who can actually create jobs. Mm. Um, most ki- most uh, youth who are coming from vocational skills have boasted this ability of being able to start small businesses, whether it be plumbing mm. or any kind of artisanal small business. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I still do think there is value in some of the greater scientific skills, particularly in STEM, if mm. you look in the way in which labor markets are also mm. adjusting. I mean, you know, buzzwords such as the fourth industrial revolution cannot simply be fulfilled in terms of the labor market demand from vocational skills or TVET mm. uh, graduates mm. solely. Mm. So, yes, I do think that you know, the motion points to the critical aspect as to the balance in the labor mm. market, you know, uh, and this mm. is something that uh, students and graduates need to consider when making mm. decisions on mm. what course to take or what postgraduate uh, program to enroll to because ultimately it's about demand. Mm. You want to be demanded once you've graduated. You don't mm. want to be, uh, you know, just an additional graduate mm. in a number of unemployed graduate mm. in a pool. Mm. Um, and so 
you know, although I was just making a joke initially, this is really the reality of a lot of humanities graduates, uh, particularly in South Africa. Mm. But there's still room in South Africa for humanities graduates, not mm. to say that uh, humanities graduates should not be enrolling in programs, uh, simply because we've got a dearth of socioeconomic challenges yes. that cannot simply be resolved by technical skills mm. or engineering, mm. although that has its place in the society. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, again, it is also about the demand in terms of what the labor market mm. is looking for. And if you want to increase your prospects, you do want to position yourself such that you are highly demanded mm. or in a skills area that is highly demanded. Mm. Wow. Okay, let's get into the debate. Um, but before then, here are the rules. We are using the British parliamentary format. We've got four speakers, two on each side. The first two are proposition and the last two are opposition. In terms of our speaking order, our proposition speaker one is going to speak first and our opposition speaker two is going to speak last. Each speaker has four minutes to debate and between the first and the final minute, we will allow for POIs. Now, are we all on the same page about these rules? Cool. Let's get the debate going. Neo, I'm handing over to you. Um, okay, can you just get a timer ready? I, I don't want to like lose myself in the speech. I <laughs> <laughs> your face in response to that request. Oh, yeah, I'm used to it. Five years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, cool. Cool. We need to acknowledge the reality South Africa finds itself in, and that is one wherein people are in need of skilled laborers. We need artisans. We need people who can do things that aren't being done by a lot of people at this present moment. But moreover, we need to acknowledge what governments have to do in such a scenario. And that is that we can't con simply continue to fund what people want to do for the sake of their own actualization. We have to fund what people need to do. We need to fund things that are going to move the economy forward, that are going to move people forward on an, indi on an individual level, but importantly, things that are going to lead to a better South Africa for as many people as possible. And what this looks like is a policy that funds skills-based vocational programs. It's a policy that funds artisans. It's a policy that funds people who can do the things that we need them to do. Things like sheet, like people, like in terms of a blue, on a blue collar level, we need people like carpenters, pipe fitters, welders, boilermakers, people who we have an extreme shortage of at the present moment. But beyond that, we need people with other skills. So the, the central thread in what government will fund is that we need people who have skills, skills that they can use in the current market to propel it forward. One minute is up. Cool. So an important point of context is that this is going to exist in tandem with existing funding. So it's not like there's going to be like the sudden disappearance of all bursaries. So the reality we're faced with is one where um, humanities based and more um, theoretical degrees are funded privately and government focuses on skills based degrees. Given that, we think that the central argument to this debate is how governments ought to be spending their money. We don't think there's an, there's, a, there's an instance in which you can guarantee any kind of good outcome. You can never guarantee that, but we think that we're likely to have a much higher likelihood of success when we fund vocational based programs. And the way governments should spend their money is like twofold. Firstly, in terms of optimizing the current economy and making sure that that's better, but secondly, preparing for the next one. We're in a very volatile space in the current economy because we never know which jobs are going to become obsolete and which ones aren't. But we think that the central thread in a, in, in a lot of the jobs that are becoming obsolete is that firstly, people don't need information as much as they used to. You don't need like research if you're walking around with a library on in your cell phone. What people need are skills because those are things you can't just Google, things you can't just find on any online library. But So we think that it's likely to optimize the current economy in terms of filling in this, very, the, the, this huge skill shortage, right? It means that more 
more people have jobs, it means that you can expand companies that provide these kinds of skills because there are just more people within that labor market. We do face the risk of saturation, but we think it's better to have a market that is fully satisfied as opposed to having an artificial scarcity for the sake of maintaining some kind of exclusivity. It's better to flood a market so that we can find other spaces where people need to go as opposed to keeping scarcity there for the sake of feeling like the space is something that's more important, right? But secondly, in terms of preparing for the next economy, we tell you we can never be ready for the next economy if we don't fix the one that we have now, but moreover, we'll never be ready for the next economy if we don't have skilled laborers. And we we need those skilled laborers in order to firstly create a specialization for them individually within a market, but secondly, a specialization... um, at the end of the sentence, a specialization in the general sense of the economy. Yeah. In a world of growing technological advancements, how is human labor going to be sustaining? So how are you not just employing people for the short term, but ensuring that they still have the opportunity to utilize these skills in the long term? One minute is left. Yeah. What happens with a lot of these skills that it, people don't just learn a particular skill. We think that when you learn such as like when you when you learn a skill like um, boiler making, for, for instance, it accompanies itself with a level of innovation. That's why they expect you to do course that are going to require critical thinking of you as electives throughout your degree. That you build this, but specifically build it within a field, within a frontier, as opposed to learning critical thinking for the sake of learning critical thinking. It's better to be a critical thinker who is an engineer than to be a critical thinker who just has a degree that may not get them a job in the end, right? We think that we're still going to have people who have these adaptable skills, specifically with the push towards adaptable skills that's happening within education at the present moment. And that's likely to be better if it's focused and within the vocational field, as opposed to just generally being done for the sake of being done. All right, your time is up. Thank you for that speech. I'm now going to welcome Atlehang to introduce the opposition case here. here. Now we're still fitting into the narrative of saying that like BA degrees aren't as important. You need to understand that even a BA student is, a, is as, as flexible because just because I'm doing a BA degree in politics, I still do like philosophy and economics, which simply means that I can be a flexible individual who can possibly do many other different things. The second and the most important thing also to understand about this is that like you are trying to create a solution for the short, for like the short term, but in the long run, the solution isn't one that is going to work, especially when we have introduced the, the fourth industrial revolution where like machines can possibly do the jobs that a lot of individuals are doing. You also need to understand that mostly in companies that are trying to like uh, cut down on the cost of production, it simply means that they are more inclined to go into like trying to get machines to do their jobs as opposed to getting a lot of individuals because of like trying to make sure that they're able to gain as much profit as possible. Just a couple of things that I want to respond to. The first thing is to understand that like a BA degree isn't only just about getting like critical thinking skills. There are a lot of things that go into towards a degree where an individual can be flexible and an individual can possibly do many other things. The second and the most important thing also that she she speaks about is that like it's important for us to have skilled laborers. You also need to understand that these are transferable skills. So this essentially means that anyone and and like anyone could possibly gain those skills and get those skills as opposed to simply saying that like um, we need to understand that these people should remain, remain there. Because if it's a transferable skill, it means that you're creating a saturated market and the problem with the saturated market is that like just because you're pushing individuals into doing vocational studies it does not necessarily guarantee that you're going to create a lot of jobs for those specific individuals which means ladies and gentlemen as an opposition in today's debate we're not going to advocate for a saturated market because we know what happens when you advocate for a saturated market for example in 2015 2017 where a lot of individuals were pushed into studying nursing because um, they were told that like going into vocational college was important and that they have a 
guaranteed job. The problem with that is that like it created a lot of like scarcity of jobs at a point at which a lot of individuals were pushed into a market. What essentially means, ladies and gentlemen, when you consistently push people into a market, you run the risk of not necessarily creating jobs for those specific individuals. The conclusion or rather the opportunity cost of this policy is to say that it's not as important for us to place priority on vocational colleges as opposed to saying that even like university degrees are much more important. The second thing that I want to talk about is the harms of like, um, advocating for this policy as proposition brings to us is the push factor into like vocational studies. I like the fact that she spoke about the economy and how we stagnate the economy when we're only going to put priority on one specific thing because you need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that those BA degrees, a lot of public administrators that we have are people that have BA degrees, which essentially shows yeah, you yeah. here that you're stagnating the economy when you're placing and saying that only vocational studies are much more important. We still need like public administ- administrators. We still need people that would work in the government sector. So you're only going to shrink the participation of individuals at a point in which you're only going to tell them what to study. The second thing also that we want... Okay, before I continue, take it now. Out of order. Sorry, please continue. Okay. So what we're talking about here is that we don't want to unfirm the narrative that society already has that BA degrees aren't as important. You need to understand that currently we're moving into a times where BA degrees are much more flexible where a person could possibly study like politics and international relations, which means that they are not like tailor-made to get into one specific field, but they can decide to go into another specific field at a point at which a market is saturated. As opposed to someone who has been taught to fix a car their entire life in a vocational in a vocational school, for example, which means the only thing that they can do and the only skills that they have is to do that. It means that then you're creating a saturated market and we don't think that this is important, especially in the developing world. The third and the most important thing also to understand is how expensive university education is. So here what you are basically doing when you don't want to fund BA degree you are discouraging people that actually want to go into your that field and you're telling up, them that it's not as important. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. I'm now going to welcome Achisang to close the proposition case here. here. The opposing side isn't necessarily in this debate because the debate's main focus is a way up between what government should actually be spending a majority of their money on. It isn't a situation of you are becoming an engineer or nothing, nor is it a situation of us saying that BA degrees are things that are completely useless. We concede that we concede that they do have their use, but in the current economic system, the state ought to be, ought to be catering for the context that they find themselves in. We're very proud to stand with that stance. There are a few things that we get from this side which ought to be responded to. The first is the idea that BA students are in fact important and flexible and do play a role in like hiring public administrators in the first place. We do concede that the we do concede that like BA students can be flexible and do have an extent of critical thinking. But but what we think uh, is specific to those sorts of courses is, is the is creating one assist or is like those degrees prioritize one, a system of information over actual practical application, but two, it's a, uh, it's a system of great generality that you only get specific if you can get into something like a postgraduate degree. Comparatively, we think that we need to be funding more degrees that have more applicational merit, not, uh, and, and think, and we think that BA degrees don't necessarily do that. But even in their worst case scenario, we still say that things like public, private 
private funding still exists. This this policy isn't in lieu of like uh, bursaries that are already existent. What we're saying is that we're going to prioritize government spending on what's actually needed. The second idea that we get from the side is the idea that skilled labor is transferable and thus we create a uh, uh, thus we create a very saturated market. We think that Firstly, it, uh, uh, it, it, we think that firstly, it isn't necessarily true because the, again, we're not creating a system where the government, uh, where everyone is going to be doing one specific career. We think that there are a variety of careers in South Africa that are in demand. And we think that, the, and we think that the, there, there can be a situation where a lot of people adopt those careers. But more so we think that, but more so we think that the markets that are being pushed in the current status quo are specific are specifically flexible and can cater for a modern job market where careers aren't necessarily aren't necessarily stagnant. What we think the careers that we're pushing for are ones where you can transition into a fourth industrial revolution, which means that markets, even though they'll be saturated, you can still get a situation where they can move with the times. But more so, on the comparative, their worst case scenario is a saturated... Our worst case scenario is a saturated market, which still has a lower unemployment rate. We'd much rather a situation where people are stuffed into careers that have a lot of people One in minute there, left. But, but, uh, but, uh, but it, we'd much rather them having a job as opposed to having a BA degree and sitting at home, and then we'll be faced with the same sort of low unemploy- unemployment rate. But but more so we think but more so we think that uh, their idea of them saying that it is a short term solution because we're going into a situation where like uh, certain careers won't necessarily be important we think that this short term solution is important in that transition to happen in the first place the skilled laborers that we're planning to fund are are skilled laborers who are going to administer the fourth industrial revolution who are going to be the architects of that revolution we don't have those sorts of careers at the moment, we don't have people who, uh, who like are employed in those careers. We need people who are more skilled. We need to fund more like important fields in, in South Africa. The important thing to gain from this uh, debate is where the government ought to be Ach, spending son, their money. Your time and is up. It's <laughs> Lindo. Yes. Um, this is your opportunity to close the opposition's case and the debate in general. Here, here. Wait, uh, let me also get my time already, hence, lest I lose myself like Neil. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to flip my rebuttal so, I, so as to deal with the first thing that was said, um, well, with the latest thing rather. So the first thing that we get from Akhisang is that a lot of the humanities degrees that we're, propo- that we're supporting are largely information-based and the information is also just generalized. So there's nothing specific until you pursue like a PhD or a master's. So even if these degrees are largely information-based, there's still comparative value to them than pursuing vocational education because often what differentiates people and where the success is, is in how that skill or that general kind of information is distributed. So you have a young Bongani who will start a corporation with three of his other friends even with just a politics degree. You'll have somebody who will pursue a position in like public administration. So irrespective of what they provide to everyone on a general scale there's still diverse utility of the information and that's where the value comes from because what is in fact the most valuable is the skill to critically think and innovate ways to utilize that information that is offered to everyone at the same scale. The second thing that 
Hisang discusses is that we can these uh, vocational education can help people move into the fourth industrial revolution. This is hardly true because if you're taught manual largely manual work, machines can easily replace that. So it's very difficult for you to then transition into the fourth industrial revolution with that. So even if you have the skill on how to make a boiler, that is what you'll have when there's also therefore a machine that can practically make that. The third thing that he discusses is that we'd rather have people have a job than just a BA degree, which is where he emphasizes that they prefer short-term benefits because they're important somehow for the long run. This is not true. In fact, the government kept Capitalizing on these skills now in the short term is harmful because it limits the ex- the obligation of the government to expand into sectors that we aren't strong in. For example, and most especially the tertiary sector. So we don't have a lot of businesses that are supporting people who innovate on how to, for example, make a car that doesn't use fuel because we're largely orienting our workforce to focus on on like start on um, what's this capitalizing on skills that teach them how to make something. So we don't have like an incentive on behalf of the state to like innovate into sectors that aren't already strong, especially sectors that largely are beneficial to capitalizing in terms of surviving like the fourth industrial revolution. But before I proceed into therefore my analysis, let me take this point of information. We already clarified to you that government funding is going to exist in tandem with private funding for yeah. your kinds of degrees. Why shouldn't government still funnel the, their money into vocation? So degrees? this is exactly what I'm about to discuss. But the significance of that is on the obligation of the state specifically, because the government is responsible for how our economy works So just on their part It's important that they figure out How to expand Into other sectors That we aren't already strong in So The obligation of the government Why do we not agree with Why do we not agree With how they say The state should utilize Its fund We say the state has Not just an administrative And like Like a care kind of um, What's this mandate The state is also A symbolic actor So what happens When the state Specifically funds A particular kind Of education What that does Is that it says This is the most important This is perhaps The most significant Especially as the most Influential actor In a state Therefore what we support Is the state Supporting also humanities degrees in order for them to show that they're just as valuable and sustaining to individuals, right? So just in terms of symbolism, we don't want the state to create the perception that this is what is most valuable. But secondly, we'd say this is important because it incentivizes individuals to not limit their capacity or rather what they think is valuable to just what is like vocational. So people are able to understand that you can make gang money from just being a speaker who discusses like multiple topics around the world and that you don't necessarily just have to make boilers in order for you to um, I guess have a sustaining career. But the last important thing to understand is that in a world of growing technological advancement, what is best for a South African labor force is to not capitalize on just manual work that that is only sustaining the short run, the time but to up. try to capitalize on the long run too. <laughs> this debate was a mouthful, I think, on both sides. But before we give you an opportunity to to maybe expand on some of the ideas you'd presented in your speeches, Sia, I just want you to evaluate what was said um, and, and maybe just give us an overview of the debate in general. Sure. All right. So I think good job on the team side. I think you've argued quite strongly on both of your sides and, you know, dealt with a number of rebuttals on either side. Uh, but I've just got sort of two critique, one critique from each team um, that I think more broadly also, as we discuss this topic outside of here, these are some of the things we also need to consider and keep in mind. I think um, I think one of the strongest points coming from the side of the opposition is around this notion of automation undermining the skills mm. that vocational uh, graduates will have. 
have. But I think uh, this same critique could be applied to uh, arts and scientific skills as advancements in AI and other kinds of programming, or even you know low AI such as social media are replacing even uh, common things such as marketing jobs, etc. So the incursion is not necessarily just happening on the side of production or manufacturing per se. It's happening throughout. Mm. All right. Uh, and then to uh, give my critique on the side of the proposition, I think um, what I, w- I would have loved to have seen is how you perhaps link this discussion um, to the broader national development agenda and obviously mm. the government's Im- imperative in reducing unemployment and inequality. Yes, I think from the starting point, you do mention how there's a huge need in terms of vocational skills and by prioritizing financing for education towards that, we will then uh, you know, m- utilize our graduates more effectively. Mm. But at the same time, that has an impact in terms of inequality. Firstly, in terms of economics one-on-one, as you flood the market with specific type of skills, so too do the wages in that skill start declining. Mm. If you think of um, generally in South Africa, um, domestic work, etc., which is the most abundant type of labor that people can mm. offer, uh, these are the lowest paying wages in South Africa and continuously mm. remain an area of contention uh, mm. in policy and policy's inability to deal with that. On the other hand is that the recipients of this kind of funding will more likely come from poorer households. And mm. so as they uh, as they get enrolled in these programs and as they start flooding the market and the wages start declining, what is the overall impact of that on the broader economy? Mm. Um, and I think generally out of all of this, um, there are two points I just want to make in terms of um, uh, the broader labor market issues that are barely discussed in South Africa. I think in South Africa we have this notion of supply equals demand in the labor market, but there are also institutional aspects of the labor market that I think a lot of graduates just aren't meeting. Yeah. And it might sound controversial now, but this is based on my personal experience as someone who employs a lot of young people. Typically graduates come out of school without the notion of how to create value mm, in business. Mm, uh, and mm. so even a lot of people understanding themselves in terms of what their specialization could be in the field that they've graduated on is very, very minimal. And so this then, uh, you know, also doesn't make you well positioned in the labor market. To add to this, most uh, students focus purely on academia as opposed to a mm. uh, plethora of transferable skills, which is what employers are looking for. So if mm. you are, uh, you know, chairperson of some society, if you are involved in your residence uh, in terms of the house committees, etc., these are where you'll be gathering skills that are mm. transferable into the labor market. Mm. And I didn't get uh, sort of a view from either side. Mm. in terms of this aspect of the labor market. And Mm. one of the key chief causes of high unemployment, uh, in my view, is largely due to this mismatch in graduates' ability Mm. to articulate their value, but also the expectation that if you enter the labor market, you are expected to generate value rather than I'm here, I'm qualified, I'm here for the job, you're paying me for the time. You're being paid for your value and not the time. But see, I mean, just on that... um you know, it just makes me, you know, realize, and I think all of us sitting in this debate, also just reflecting on the speeches that uh, that we presented in, in in the debate, a lot of young people are squarely under the assumption that degree job and value in the job is the degree, and you're problematizing that in particular. But how does you know the contention around government's obligation financially? How does it shift? 
and you know uh, incentivize young people to begin to engage this idea of value sure. differently. So I think then that's where my initial points around how we don't just want to focus on preparing graduates for jobs, right? Mm. So this whole notion of job preparedness, I think, also needs to go beyond just providing people with communication skills yeah. or these sort of soft skills mm. which we consider the academic program as lacking. Mm. Um, it needs to go beyond that, and even you know. Uh, the notion of a person understanding their own value in terms of their skills and the specialization that they would be good at before even choosing a program. So how government could do this is by providing funding for extramural type mm. of activities. Um, you know, so I had the, 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 the privilege of whilst at university, although it was partly because I was broke most of the time, mm. <laughs> I ended up working at the career services mm. at uh, the university I studied at. And during that time, I realized what most students miss out on. The fact that what we consider our extramural activities that are just fun or, you know, uh, debriefing after, mm. you know, a difficult study session or mm. whatever is actually where you get the skills that are needed in the labor mm. market. Skills such as conflict resolution, mm. skills such as being able to communicate with people, mm. time management, etc. Mm. And so uh, this, for me, highlights the importance of not just the curriculum, but also extracurricular activity beyond just mm. job preparedness. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I have one last point to okay. make um, that I didn't hear from the team is that you know the notion that um, scientific or art skills are separate from vocational skills is a bit facetious, mm. in that the two actually depend on one another. Mm. So even if you are to say let's pump the market full of uh, vocational graduates, they leave the vocational uh, college or TVETs with the practical skills of uh, the artisanal skills that they, they they've gone there to study, but they. May may not have the broader understanding of how the economy works, mm. how things like marketing work, etc., mm. which are in cre- which are uh, more important in generating more value out of the vocational graduates mm. because the vocational graduate doesn't generate value by having graduated and waiting for mm. a job. They generate value by their ability to flexibly enter the labor mm. market, not just as uh, an employee, but as self-employed individuals, mm. which then lowers the cost uh, in terms of uh, economic infrastructure that the government needs to mm. prepare in matching both mm. the labor market demands with the graduate demands. Mm. Yeah, so I think those those are really the two critical points that yeah. I just wanted to make. <laughs> Definitely. And um, I mean, I think another one, and, and I'm going to burden the debaters directly here because I mean, I would love responses from your side is, is the issue of 4IR. And I think you, 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 you mentioned it here and there, but didn't really go into, into depth in terms of, you know, some of the professions that she was speaking of, particularly from the proposition side, you know, um, we know if you speak of fields that are absorbing the most amount of graduates, you're talking about um, engineering, you're talking about science, you're talking about um, education. But are these professions that are going to continue to be able to absorb graduates? And I think Lindo mentioned this as a rebuttal, but what would you guys say? Um, personally, in terms of the 4IR, mm. I think... South Africa is sli- is slightly lagging in mm-hmm. terms of getting to that point, mm-hmm. mainly because I think we don't necessarily have enough graduates or enough professionals to actually initiate that process. Mm. I think it's mainly happening in the upper echelons, and I think that's partially a fault of the of tertiary institutions mm. because they don't make active efforts to prepare. Mm. Uh, students for that and to prepare mm. students to adapt to the sort of change mm. in the market. So if 
tertiary institutions can do better in terms of preparing students for a very fluctuating, very sort of wavy market that we we don't even know how mm. it's going to change and prepare them to adapt to that, mm. I think that would certainly be the best case scenario. Yeah, then you'd probably be able to create that, that at least at a surface level absorption for um, the degrees that you advocate for. But, um, you know, opposition side, Lindo and Atlehang, I just, uh, you know, I want to speak to the issue of, I mean, TUT, I was uh, just reflecting on the other days, it is a technical university. And I was asking some of the students that we work with what degree they think has the most graduates every year at TUT. And, you know, they were saying agriculture and this and that. And then the, the reality is it's HR. Is that a crisis? I think in a world where there's always so the I think here's a better way to say it. The inevitable reality is that there's a limited amount of work available. Mm. And so if there's an influx of people studying a particular degree, then there will inevitably be a scarcity of employment, okay. which is part of what Atlehang was saying in her speech, that there's a danger in having the most graduates um in not just one thing, institution, yeah. but in a particular field come from just this particular kind of work. Because mm. then it's not as though an increase in graduates who have studied an HR degree is equal to a simultaneous increase in work that is available in the, for that particular mm. degree. So I think that definitely does provide a crisis. Mm. Mm. And, uh, you know, proposition, and I think this this one is a personal one from my side. You know, what about the issue of self-actualization? And I mean, when we talk about government funding, we are talking about the black child because they are the ones who need that funding. So when we even do way-ups like these where we forego, you know, self-actualization of a black child who wants to study a BA general degree, you know, what does that mean for for how for how much importance we're placing on personal development? I think actualization is really important, but sort of, the way I envision governments structuring themselves is to focus on urgent needs first, which is like, which is partly mm. what I think contributes to the fact that we haven't caught up with the, with 4IR yet. Yeah. Cause there are like fundamental things that are missing. There are like schools without windows. There are schools without like chairs and like buildings. And those are things that need to be fixed before we can give them projectors. Those are things yeah. that need to be fixed before we give them tablets. Similarly, I think we have a very crippled education system at the, at the present moment. One that doesn't fully prepare people for university. I know, like, I just did one semester and I got the shock of my life. Yeah. I, like, I was not ready and everything I knew that helped me, I mainly got from debating as opposed mm. to getting it mm. from school. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, literally, I spent five years in there. It was hard, but it was mm. worth it. But um, I think because of those fundamental issues, it's really difficult to give someone a BA degree if they don't see any value in it. Mm. So they can actualize. But I think it's long term crippling if the entire mm. e- economy and like environment around you isn't ready for what you have. Mm. Mm. Can I just add on to that? I think I had a slightly different experience. Um, but I think what was common was how important debating was yeah. in facilitating how well I did, especially like in my first day IR course. So, um, a lot of, uh, humanities disciplines like international relations will require a person to solve problems. And these are problems where you will learn at that level of university that, um, are problems specifically relating to dealing with like an international crisis of sorts, water, uh, diplomatic or whatsoever. And, what was so important for me was the realization that firstly, through debating skills, you're able to put that into practice. Um, but I think 
Ha, sorry, crap. Can we please... Pa- I think I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, just real quick. You were speaking about how, like, you just didn't know the most in yeah. university. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how... Yours is the opposite, but yeah. the common thing is Because in debating. international relations... Oh, yeah. Yes. So, we had to deal with the Grasha Marshall. Um, what's this problem? But it was, like, very hidden because IR likes to be shaky. Um, and so, essentially, it was just how do you apply what you have learned into those kind of like situations. And so what I've realized is that disciplines like BA are, especially with things like international relations, are about solving problems. And mm. therefore the skill that you're taught is an essential and ever like important skill. So it's the important, it's the skill of being critical and mm. being able to apply that even in a like avenue that is completely different. So mm. I had never studied international relations on that particular scale, specifically dealing with like crises in Africa. But because I am taught of how to be able to apply certain techniques and how to be able to like discern certain things, I'm therefore able to apply that human skill. So I think mm. with like disciplines like international relations, it does have a significant value um especially just in the long run and surviving the four i am let you chip in there um so i also want to say that like studying a triple major degree has also made me realize yeah. that like degrees like economics where people place a lot of value in it uh to me it isn't as important because it's literally just like studying and knowing how to solve a problem uh. as opposed to when i get into a politics class and a philosophy class and where i have like engagement about real life issues mm. so then it made me realize that actually we put so much emphasis on like economics engineering and what you literally have to do there is to cram and to know how to maybe find <laughs> the ppc as opposed to when you're studying politics and you have to think about and you have to solve like um solutions and this and i was also telling my friends that like this is the best time to be studying politics especially when there's like a lot of things happening especially in south africa so yeah you agree now uh thing is um i just want to compare experiences quickly because i'm doing the same degree yes but i think the institution is what's really different because at uct it, it just has the most academic focus yeah the entirety of my politics course has been like like dead people from like the 1600s and all of it is just it's first year yeah so it's just it's 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 really messy because everything i've done is entirely theoretical and the point at which you introduce a real world a real world perspective it kind of messes with the theory so much that they want you to stick to the academia yeah and that's been like the running trend in every course i've done i've I've even doing i've even even been doing accounting and it feels academic Mm. it doesn't feel like i'm getting a skill Mm. it feels like i'm learning the theory and like conceptual frameworks and 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 i think that's that, that that's part of the problem that was mentioned earlier that the reason graduates think their degree is the value is because universities just really want to be so good at research that they teach you and they want you to be good at research too and then in the end we're all just academics as opposed to skilled individuals who happen to use academia to acquire skill wow uh, see, I'm going to hand it over to you to close it for us. Obviously, taking into account everything that's been said around self-actualization, um, the preoccupation with the degree, where the value lies. But also, I, I mean, I want you to, to, to tell us, you know, if we should care. I was just thinking to myself, you know, who cares? Because... You know, when you're 16 and 18, you're so preoccupied with the idea that a specific degree is going to lock you into this path for the rest of your life. And I'm reflecting on my, on my life as a 25 year old. Completely not true. Um, you know, unless uh, you're a health or a law education student who's likely to work in the same field, for the majority of us, life changes and requires us to change so, many, so much, particularly because of the scarcity of jobs that does it matter? Should we care what government funds?
Yeah, I say I, I want to start off with um, okay. Firstly, just to correct uh, the notion that uh, arts or social sciences are problem solving rather than um, methodological studies in science, right? That aren't solving any real life problems. I think every area of study in academic inquiry is about solving problems. Mm-hmm. We're just dealing with problems at different levels and different kinds of problems. Um, I had the fortune of um, doing engineering. So so I started off studying mechanical engineering for two years and after two years decided to change degrees and I ended up doing a PPE degree. So I do want to say there is hope for the PPE graduates. Who soon to be <laughs> that degree is quite useful. But I must say that at the end of it, I felt like I could have read a book and understood everything that was being said there. In the same vein, um, you know, people uh, who have also studied the same degree felt that the politics and the philosophy, as you've mentioned, is actually more resonant in terms of social problems. Whereas the economics uh, is not so much uh, a day-to-day issue, but I would actually argue the other way around, that economics is a day-to-day confrontation. Um, It's also just as much about day-to-day life problems as is the politics and the, uh, and the philosophy. Uh, in fact, the philosophy for me, uh, uh, you know, with this problems in terms of decoloniality, etc., and the kind of subjects that it still is dealing with today is a bit backwards. Mm. All right. And then I think um, all that for me says that um, the whole process of actually finding yourself in terms of a specialization or a job or etc needs to be understood as a sort mm. of journey in a way it's not necessarily that you enter this degree and end up uh, getting qualified and end up becoming a specialist in that area or field uh, for example when I graduated from Cape Town I was I was really looking for a, a job mainly because I was frustrated that a lot of people I started with when I was doing mm. engineering were already working by the time I was doing my second second year and this sort of put me under pressure and I think a lot of graduates would have not gone through the journey that I went through. I took up a sales job. I was working at a call center. I learned a lot of things in terms of sales skills. And that really is what allowed me to then reflect. And when I did my postgraduate studies, I also positioned myself mm. uh, or by doing research that would position me as a specialist in the area that I was most interested in. And if you combine the sort of life experience you learn outside of mm. class, the extracurricular stuff I was mentioning, and you know, you guys also spoke about it in terms of the benefits of debating, etc. With what you learn in the classroom, I think that's really the only way forward in terms of not just um, identifying where you can add value or your specialization, but also in terms of being able to sell yourself. Because ultimately, in the labor market, it is also about what school you went to. And I thought that this doesn't matter. Graduates from different uh, universities have got very different performing capacities. Secondly, it is whether people like you or not, ultimately. And this means that you have to be able to sell yourself. Whether you're a science graduate or a vocational graduate, if you're looking to enter the job market, it is about positioning yourself, but also understanding the value that you can create. Uh, and then I want to make a sort of um, last point on uh, the issue around so also, as you are deciding on which career and path to take, you need to be aware of the kind of market failures that exist in your economy or in your society. So I think in South Africa, the market failure that exists is largely due to either social problems mm. as a legacy of apartheid that have not been resolved or as a result of unequal distribution of income. 
right? And this is not a scientific problem that industrial revolution, uh, the fourth industrial revolution is going to come in and solve. And so there is still very much a need for the sort of uh, social science skills. Um, but then again, the fourth industrial skills in terms of what you mentioned mm. on continuity, that um, although we might be advocating for vocational skills now based on the demand, that the technology might render those skills obsolete. Mm. I think we need to think of it in a more practical sense. In South Africa, we like to think of the frontier in terms of production, right? We play there in terms of our financing. If you mm. look at the rules, Basel III, etc., all these requirements that are seemingly out of place for the game that mm. we should be playing. So I think in as much as the fourth industrial revolution may render some vocational skills obsolete, at the end of the day, the aftermarket post-production in terms of repairs and maintenance of all these products we consume will require uh, vocational skills in terms mm. of that. And I think this is something that we need to consider, particularly in terms of policymakers, yeah. uh, because it's the wrong approach to only look at the sort of higher echelon of production or the frontier of production and forget the huge area of play that exists in terms of the aftermarket. Mm. And this is what uh, countries like China and Japan and the Asian markets are doing in terms of providing uh, for the bottom of the pyramid rather than aiming at the at frontier the top, yeah. in terms of markets and, and production. Down, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's about it. And yeah, it is a complex thing. Mm. I don't think that anybody ends up where they thought they would end up when they started. Mm. Uh, but it is a journey and I think one should try to enjoy it and learn from not just the books in mm. as much as everything else is important in, mm. in mm. learning skills mm. in life. I think that's a powerful takeaway. Um, you know, specifically because I know a lot of people listening um, feel this on a personal level because 31% unemployment rate among graduates is too high. And I, and I personally know a number of graduates that I went to varsity with who are sitting at home wondering what the point was. But perhaps the biggest problem, bigger than the way up between spending on general degrees versus vocational degrees, is that only 2% of graduates are self-employed. Uh, 2% is a shockingly low number. And as I was just listening to the debates and I was listening to, um, you know, Sia come in and, 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 and weigh in, I was just thinking that perhaps what government should fund is the promotion of entrepreneurial thinking and the promotion of entrepreneurship as a viable employment option from a very early stage. Because the fundamental difference between a BA student asking themselves in which job their skills can be applied and one who asks themselves how their skills can be applied in the market in general is probably what's missing in the market. And sure, there are structural issues in the market, but perhaps that's where the state's obligation lies. That was the Interchange Episode 8, looking at the education and employment crisis in South Africa. We hope you enjoyed it. Leave your comments, your opinions, share. Let us know what you think. If you're an unemployed graduate, are there any tips that you're taking away into your journey moving forward? This was another thought-provoking debate made possible by APSA and Simu, amplifying the voices of young people. Should higher education graduates be supported by the government and business in order to get them into the labor market? Is it possible to create more opportunities for the youth and to reduce the unemployment rate? The Interchange, seeing Africa through a youthful lens. 